afternoon and good evening you're here with Nathan Butler and you are on talk is deep uh, thank everybody for joining me again I know I've been MIA for a long while you know I had a couple of prior that had to get sorted out and uh, you know just life of a life of a boss so it's good <laughs> <laughs> he's laughing because you know it's not true that's <laughs> from, from the truth but yeah I'm in MIA but we'll have an episode where I talk about that stuff and what's been going on with me but I am really happy to be back and doing this because I really enjoyed it. And, you know, the whole point of me doing the podcast was just to get to know people who are on their way to success or trying to find success and just you know hear their their stories and just to to see, you know, where they've come from and where they where they want to go. And uh, I think that last season I got a lot of positive response from a lot of the episodes I did do. Uh, particular, I think one of my first episodes I did with Olivia Taylor's which is a good episode. If you guys haven't checked that one out, um, also with Kev at the Kev League Barbershop was a good episode that I got a lot of responses on and um, just a lot of stuff here and there between Leo as well. Just a lot of cool responses I got from my episode. So um, I am back again with this episode. Um, you can follow me before we get started. You can follow me on Instagram at Nathaniel Butler Official, N-A-T-H-A-N-A-E-L and then Butler Official. I'm also on um, Facebook at Nathaniel Butler Comedy. You can find me on there as well. I'm on Snapchat, Afro Samurai AZ for all those anime fans out there. If you know what it is, know what it is. And I'm also on Grinder and Tinder. So if you... yeah! <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving I on. Mean, I ain't even mad at it, bro. Oh, you got to hustle the tree sometimes. I know what branch you like. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm here with my um, guest today. Um, Mike B. Dapper, I met him at a comedy club. He's a comedian. He hosts uh, a bevy of shows. One of them is the um, the House of Comedy, which is called the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Comedians. Strong uh, comedians, sorry. Comedians. And um, there's one more show you do as well, right? Uh, uh, yeah, what You Think. What You Think, yeah, which is a, a new show that he started um, recently within the past uh, six months, which I haven't yet sh- seen myself, but um, it does have an interesting concept. We'll, we'll talk about that. But uh, first, welcome to the show, Mike thank Dapper. You, thank you, thank you. Uh, appreciate it. You coming. I know we've been having some uh, issues getting the interview together, but... Uh... I understand, man. <laughs> you recently engaged, man. You got priorities. Priorities. I ain't even mad at it. I get it. I get it. We were actually supposed to do it yesterday, but something interesting has happened yes. to you, so I wanted to talk about that. So, you know, you text me saying, can we reschedule, and then you told me why, so. Oh, uh, because um, 12 Sports, yeah, NBC 12 Sports wanted me to uh, go out to Barry Jackson Car Show and interview people and do yeah. random interviews and stuff like that, and if it was good, you know, throw it on the news. Yeah. So, that was like the first time I was out there doing that. Okay. Uh, I used to... Go to work, Barry Jackson. When I worked in radio, oh, okay. But I was just sitting under a tent, giving out T-shirts. And oh, okay. So you be you be at the booth and stuff. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, I was in a different capacity. Okay. So <laughs> you so you were already familiar with Barry Jackson before Correct. you got the job. Okay. Yeah. So okay. I knew I knew it was a huge 
Like a huge thing. Like when you get up in there, like my whole thing, I was in there trying to find black folks. There yeah. were a few of us in there. There were a few of us in there. <laughs> they weren't janders either. No, no. I, it, it wasn't. I was like, I was, I was on a mission. And yeah. everyone I found, I was like, you know, real talk. There is a lot of things to do yeah. up there. There's, it's not just cars. Yeah. There, like I talked to a brother. He went in there. And he was like, yeah, I went in here looking at cars and, and bought a spa. And I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Brother bought a spa. Hope you have one. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, was your wife with you? He's like, nah, man. I just came home and told her. I got out like, you are both. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it was definitely a good experience being able to uh, get that, the interviewing, the, you know, like, because it's different. Yeah. When, you know, because I've interviewed people, like I've sat at your side where, you you know, sit interviewing people. It's different. When you're just random stranger, like, yeah. hey, how you doing? Because you, you, don't, you don't always know the response you're going right. to get. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's always a gamble, yeah. You know, black men in an area like that, I mean... I mean, <laughs> You was dressed nice, though, at least. Hey, man, I try. It's funny, too. <laughs> because I was at home, sitting up there trying to get off. Like, oh, I don't want to come off as too intimidating. Yeah. I, you know, and then I was like, man, why am I doing this? And they the ones that be shooting up shit. <laughs> like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, in your opinion, how do you think it went? I saw the footage myself. I liked it. But how do you Thank think you. it went? Uh, you know what? Uh, shout out to the camera dude. You know, <laughs> shout out to the camera dude, Chris. He, he add, you know, you never know, like, because you, you, you're hard on yourself. Like, yeah. Especially when you're, yeah, especially when you're outside your lane. And I want to be able to try different things. And in try different things means you're not going to just instantly walk into something and be a natural. Yeah, exactly. And you have to understand that about anything you do. People be like, man, you are great on stage. I'm like, you know what? When I first started doing comedy, I was deathly afraid of crowds and deathly afraid of speaking in front of people. Uh-huh. But I forced myself. I, and, 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 and I forced myself to go through those struggles. And then once you get to those struggles, then you're like, hey, you know what? If you take the right amount of criticism and stuff like that, you'll find yourself, you know, I'm alright at this. Yeah. I'm alright. I can, I can possibly do this. Yeah. And just like watching the, the video afterwards, I was like, man, you know what? I did a lot better than I thought I did. Uh-huh. You know, I yeah. was like expecting to be like, oh my God, this is going to be trash. Ain't nobody about to laugh. <laughs> yeah. And I laughed. You know what? That was actually kind of funny. That yeah. was all right. I laughed. I was like, I, and I genuinely laughed too. It was, yeah. yeah, it was funny to me. So I hope they air it. They don't, you know. I do too. You know, it, it will. But don't be know, slacking, NBC. It, it's always a, what I've learned about this business because I've had opportunities that I thought were going to pan out. I'm like, oh, everybody watch this. And then yeah. it didn't happen. Everybody the like, mm-hmm. we were watching and we never saw you. Yeah. And like, oh, well, you, they yeah, what me. happened was. Yeah. <laughs> so if it happens, it happens. You know, everything's supposed to happen for it at its own time. Yeah, so. that's true. You know. yeah. And at least if not, no, they, they know that there's somebody out there they can rely on because that was good yeah. quality. So Yeah. 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 So do you, do you actually remember how we met? If, if I might, it was at a, a show at Toso's. To- yeah. If, yeah. If I might, it was at a show. I think at it was, yeah. yeah. It was Toso's and, um, like, I, I'm, man, I never expect a lot from people when I first time I see them. Uh-huh. And, then I, and I was like, oh, that was refreshing. Yeah. Because, it was different. Like, it was different. Like, the way you look and then the way you start talking and then the things you talk about. Like, oh, that's different. That is bad. I think that's a polite way. I did not see that one coming. <laughs> no, because you expect him. He's out there looking like, oh, boy, like, uh, off of the wire. And uh, coming in there, like, oh, be more city looking. Yeah. And then he's like, well, everybody, um, 
I had a, a an experience yesterday, and it's like, wow, yeah. this nigga can read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're very articulate. <laughs> so my mom, my mom, she always told me like to be articulate. That's uh-huh. one thing she always tried to drive in me, and I. I haven't really gotten that type of response where people are like, well, I think I actually have when people say, oh, I didn't expect that type of comedy from you because, like, I feel like I talk about a lot of, like, boring things, in my opinion. Well, but I think it's because when people see you, they'll be like, man, I thought you was going to talk about how your, you know, incense business yeah. and your stage. Yeah. And yeah. Walk around. <laughs> like, everybody expects you to come out on stage like some sage. Yeah. <laughs> huh. It's not as Arabesque as I thought yeah. it was. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take the compliment. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I remember first I saw you, um, I, it wasn't, I think the first time I saw you was at um, this bar and you were talking about your, you talked about how you didn't know that there was, um, no, you talked about how like you don't eat uh, pussy. Oh, That's okay. what you talked about. Okay. Yeah, and I, and you were like, you said black people aren't supposed to do that. And I was, I remember in the audience with my girlfriend, and I was like, we're not. <laughs> like, yeah, brother, don't no. worry about it. It's okay. I know you didn't notice. You noticed. I told my well, girl, I said, I, well, not, I missed all these meetings. I had no idea we were supposed to do that. And she was like, well, I'm glad you do. I was like, me too. But yeah, I, that was the first time I actually, I think I actually saw you. And then I think we actually talked. At Tosa, but okay. yeah, but I remember I was just like a person in the crowd. Oh, okay. yeah, at the time when you did your set, I forgot what bar it was, but it was like on I think we'll say Glendo or Bell or something like that. I can't or Thunderbird, I can't remember one of the places. Okay, probably yeah. like uh, maybe uh, maybe it was at that uh, was it the bar or was it the Mexican restaurant? I think the Mexican restaurant, yeah, uh, I think, I think the top shelf, yeah, yeah, okay. I think that's what it was, yeah, yeah. see that, you see that. I'm in clubs now, but I was at Mexican food restaurants not too long ago. It can happen to you too, baby. It can happen to you. Everybody got started from somewhere. Yeah, you just heard I was on the news. And then you just heard I was performing at Mexican food restaurants. So it can happen to you. Won't God do it, right? (laughs) So I I know you've been doing comedy for a minute, but what is the thing that actually got you on the stage? I was in radio before. And, um, like, I was in radio from, like, 2003 to 2010. Was it, uh, like, a major network? Yeah, or? it was Mega 143 oh, uh, out here. Uh, but I first started at Kiss FM. Oh, wow. And um, I started from the bottom, you know, on some Drizzy. And, <laughs> and, like, the remote tech guy, like, when I worked Barry Jackson. Okay. I was just starting. And I would have to set up the tent, pass out T-shirts and tickets to shows and stuff like that. Eventually worked my way up. Because when I first got into radio, I I, I wanted to be out here. You okay. know, I went to broadcasting school, and then they told me like uh, they'd give me a job. And after I graduated, I wanted to apply at Power, Mega, and Kiss. Okay. And they said, well, being that you're black, you're gonna have to go to a different market, a different city, and then come back. Yeah, this, no, really? No bullshit. That's what they told me. These are the people who told who the school that said we'll get you a job where you want to work at when I was started there. So then I, after I graduated, they were like, well, we can't get you in there because you're black. That's you know? crazy. And they said, if you want to be on air, you're going to have to go to a different market, right? And I, I just had a son not too long ago. And I was like, well, I can't leave the city. Yeah. So I'm going to have to make it do what it do here. And I applied at all these places on my own and nobody gave me a, a, a shot. Jeez. And then I kept applying and then I ended up seeing Super Snake. 
Oh, okay. uh, I, remember, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing him at a club in Scottsdale and tell, and and going up to him and be like, "Hey, you know, I've been trying to get into radio. I went to broadcasting school. Yada yada yada." I don't feel he was like, "Hey, uh, put my name on the application and and and, and that, don't worry about it." And I went up there the next day. Put As his, a reference, yep. Put his name on my application, and they called me the day after. My goodness, it's not who you, what you know; it's who you know. Eighty percent of all jobs are not listed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, I talked. I got in then. Then, and I like I said, I started remote tech, and I grind. I, I grind. I grind because that's a radio. When you get into radio, back in the day. It was like you were a remote tech until you proved yourself. Okay. It wasn't like you got in there and then somebody had to give you an opportunity. Yeah. It's not like you did this for so long. So a lot of people would get into radio wanting to be on air. And then they like, well, I don't want to lift these uh, speakers and yeah. I don't have to set up this tent in this hot sun. And then they quit. Yeah. And then the ones who really wanted to be in it would stay in it. And eventually they, a year in it because they told me. As a black man wanting to be on air uh-huh. in uh, Arizona, that I would it would be like ten years before I'd go have to go to a different market, build my name, everything like that, then come back yeah. in ten years. I would be able. I was on Kiss FM for a year and a half before I got uh, somebody noticed me from being out on remotes and was like, "Yo, you want to be on the morning show with us?" Ah. So I was able to go and be on the morning show with Kid and Ruben. Okay. So I was on the morning show with Kid and Ruben and Karina in the morning. And I loved it. It was it was like it was great, but yeah. I didn't, it wasn't mine. Yeah, it was theirs, yeah. and I like I still loved it. You just addition to it, right? Yeah. I was the addition. So eventually, I ended up going from Kiss to Mega, and I had my own little show there. I also worked on the morning show with Manic and Angie Gomez in the morning. Okay, and and um after that, it was a uh like a a limbo. I was in radio. And times were changing because the economy was crashing. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And 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 this is like 2008, 2009. Yeah. And everybody in radio was being like the major morning shows were being fired. Their contracts were being canceled. Oh. They were making good money, right? So radio stations had to find out a way to survive. So they they canceled those morning show people, and they you know brought in. The people who are working the evenings and afternoons, I and it's like, oh, well, you want to be on morning? We'll pay you eight dollars an hour. You can yeah. be on the morning. And people are like, well, yeah, I do want to be on morning, even if it is pennies, yeah. right? So they were able to survive like that. And me, I was like, you got to know when the game is changing. You got to understand, hey, this job is now becoming obsolete, and yeah. the people who are surviving in it are only a few, and the people who are really getting paid in it are only a few. Yeah. So if you want to be those paid, look at those, and what are they doing? So I start looking around this landscape. I'm like, man, Ricky Smiley getting paid good to do this. Yeah. You know, yeah, sure. start looking at all the different comedians, Edric, all these different people are in their different cities, and they're getting paid good to sit up there and do radio. Yeah. So I was like, what do they have that I don't? They have a name. Mm-hmm. So if I want to be able to come back to the table in radio and dictate what I want and have my own morning show and have my everything that the way I want it, yeah. then I have to go out there and get a name. And I was like, that began, that's where comedy began. Okay. So I put radio on the shelf and was like, I'll come back when I'm ready. Yeah. You know, and when, when they were, because they weren't willing to promote 
Like I could have stayed in radio. I could have probably been on a morning show making nothing and not having in no time to talk because now radio changed where it was like back in the day you had people a morning show got to talk and they got to shoot the breeze and yeah. everybody be like, ah, now it's like playing music. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, okay, this, that, and they might give out a ticket here and there, but it's not personality yeah. driven. It's, yeah. it's driven by sales mm-hmm. and commercials and, and, and all that. And it's like, okay, if I don't want to have that, you know, shackle me, then I have to be big enough to say, look, they're going to, they're only advertising because I'm on this show uh-huh. because of my name. And, and now I can sit up there and dictate what I want to yeah. do. Yeah. So yeah. that's what brought me to comedy. Okay. That's actually pretty dope. Cause I didn't know that there was so much to do as far as like coming out into radio. Cause it seems like, well, now listening to it, it does seem like there's just a lot of, um, a lot of, um, I don't know what flutter or filler filler. So like I, back in the day, I remember that one talk show, my mom used to all the time about Delilah. Mm-hmm. And I liked Delilah because she actually had conversations with people that she talked to mm-hmm. and they talked about love and loss and a lot of heartful stuff. And then now you hear these shows and all they want to talk about is like, oh, who's cheating on who? Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, the scandals in Hollywood and stuff, which is cool because some people want to know that stuff. But I'm like, people, I, I think like people also, too, want to just be heard. You know what I mean? In their, in their stories and stuff like that. Which I think is kind of why I did a podcast. I think what happened was... As time, like a lot of people won't pay attention to time as time is moving and their jobs will become obsolete right in front of their eyes and they'll just sit there and watch it and know that it's happening. Yeah. And radio was the same. Local radio was the same way where I told you I got it in 2003. So you have a transition coming in from that period of time heading forward where satellite radio is now starting to come into cars. Yeah. And now people are not, doesn't, because before 2000, everybody had to listen to the radio in their car. Yeah. They had to listen to local radio. You could put a CD in, mm. but if you want to know what was going on in different music, you had to listen to local radio. Yeah. And as satellite radio started coming in, local radio did not want to keep up with the trend and be like, okay, well, they're, that they're national, how do we compete with a national station? Yeah. And they were like, well, we're just going to sell with, you know, advertisement, advertisement, and the people that are on there, there's just going to be robots. Yeah. You know, it's Mega 104.3, Arizona's old school coming up. We got some Janet Jackson. There's some tickets to give away to Arizona State Fair, but keep it locked right here. Boom, right into a song. Yeah. There's no two-minute talk break yeah. where y'all like, hey, man, I was at the fair last week uh-huh. and I had some of this and it was, man, y'all need to get out. It's none of that anymore. Yeah. So it's like, if you want to be able to, if they didn't want to compete with local, so they kind of like died. Like, and, if, and now if you really, if people are really listening, it's because they want free stuff, but then you don't really know what's going on in your city like you used to. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, you knew, oh, this person's coming to town. Yeah. Oh, this person's coming to town because when you got in the car, you heard the radio, it was like, okay, this person's coming to town. Yeah. Now, unless it pops up on your Instagram or your Facebook feed, you don't know who's coming to yeah. town. And even so, too, they used to have people coming to town on the radio shows. Yep. They used to, and I don't really hear that anymore like, mm-hmm. either. Like, Especially when comedians come to town, I'll hear the commercials for it, but I won't ever like actually hear them on the radio. Right, like like, like you used to. Yeah, like yeah. you used to when they said come in, and and it's you know it's all it's also where we live in, and you know the city and stuff like that. They don't find it a necessity to to advertise Mike Epps coming a lot of times when 
I when I worked in radio, I remember Mike Epps came in there. I hooked him up with weed, you know, <laughs> you know, like. But I was just a remote tech, yeah. At, 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 and you know, when I first got started over at Mega, so it was like. But he was in there doing an interview, uh-huh. promoting the show later on that night, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, well, so when doing your comedy when you started it, uh, what would you say your comedy style is or was at the beginning, and what it is now? You know what? I don't think it's ever changed. I don't ever think it's ever changed because when I came in, I always said I just want to be me. And I don't want to sit up there and be a person who talks about, like, I could talk about different things that's going on in the world and stuff like that. But a lot of it is just talk about my life and talk about me because I know that'll never change. Yeah. That'll never get old because my life, new things will happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, new adventures, new experience will happen. You know, when I first started in comedy, I was a single man who was broke. You know, so a lot of jokes were about being broke. Yeah. I used to talk about how I stole toilet paper from everywhere I went. Like, and I that's mean, a real thing, though, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah. Like, this shit is free. Like, yeah. I, I'm not really. So it's like, those, I don't tell those jokes no more because that's not my life. Just yeah. like, like any rapper. Like, when, when you love a rapper, you love because they evolve as a rapper. You know, they might have been broke coming into the game and then all of a sudden now they're balling, mm-hmm. right? So now they can talk about the broke days and, and now their life evolving to the things that they have. Yeah. You don't want them to talk about, oh, yeah, I'm still selling drugs because, look, man, I know you got three platinum albums. Why yeah. are you still so talking exactly. about this? Why are you still doing it? If you are right. selling drugs, yeah. you don't need to no more. Right, yeah. exactly. So it's like you love the evolution. So if you sit there and talk about your life and things that are going on around in your life, then you're evolving and your comedy can evolve with you. Yeah. Opposed to being a comic that's just like having to think of creative jokes. I yeah. think that just wasn't me. Yeah, I, I try to do creative jokes and like um punchline stuff and it's not it's not like it's uh hard, but it's not relatable. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's not yeah. if, so I feel like if it's something's not relatable to to me personally I don't want to say it because that I feel like I'm taking away from who I am, and mm-hmm. it's, it's going to show on stage like, oh, that's not. A I agree. Thing. You know what I mean? I agree. The audience has to believe what you're saying. Exactly. They'll love you more when they can connect and believe what you're saying. But it's like when unattractive people get on stage and they talk about their sex life in like a playerish way. Yeah. The whole crowd is like, I just don't believe you. Exactly. I just don't exactly. believe you. We know you got weak. Dick. Right. Don't lie yeah. About you. Exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. she was what? She exactly. looked like who? Exactly. Stop it. Exactly. <laughs> Do you, so for me, I get like a real rush, um, but I don't do drugs and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. do you, I, so I know you get high. Would you get a, a high while you're on stage, like um, um, energetic high? Yeah, yeah. Anybody who who doesn't get that high on stage isn't doing a good job. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anybody who doesn't get that high on stage doesn't isn't doing a good job. Yeah. If you don't walk off the stage with your adrenaline ru- pumping. Then you didn't do a good job. Yeah, and and like I there's like I'm there. I can, I don't do drugs. You know, I smoke marijuana. I got a medical car, whatever. Yeah, and medicinal car people yeah. do it the right way. Yeah, so I don't I don't do drugs, but I can understand how like rock stars, uh, you know, get wrapped into that. Get wrapped into like real rock stars, like because when you perform in front of a bunch of people and people are laughing and you got like four. 100 plus people not like I say 400 because I'm not that big so like a good crowd to me is like 400 people a good okay? crowd to me is 3 people <laughs> <laughs> we're on different levels obviously <laughs> but when you get that 
like that, that, and you become, when you're out there doing the maestro thing, when you start getting good in your craft and you know, okay, I made them laugh with this. Yeah. I know what's coming and yeah. I know I'm going to kill you with this one. And when you start getting into that realm and you're playing with the crowd and then you can get off and you can walk off that stage and there's a roar and you just left that with that energy. You could feel that energy in the room. Like energy is, is something like it's electric. It's, 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 if you ever remember how when The Rock used to do was wrestling in WWE. Oh, yeah, yeah. And The Rock, because I only say The Rock because there's only a few people that really generate that kind of yeah. electricity. Mm-hmm. You know, Stone Cold. Stone Cold, Cold. yep, yeah. There's only, like when, when you hear the dun, 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 yeah. dun, 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 and, then, and then you just feel the electricity. Yeah. You just feel the energy Undertaker rise, well. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you feel that after you've put that energy into the room, that is a power and a feeling that you can't, you can't describe. Yeah. So when people are no longer rock stars and they're no longer like as famous where they got, I can only imagine a stadium of like 20,000 people sitting up there chanting mm-hmm. your song. And when you're no longer able to do that, I can honestly see how, not that I would do it, but I can see how somebody could resort to a, a strong drug because yeah. that is a high that you cannot explain to the average person. Yeah. That is a power that you can't, hey man, I had 20,000 people rocking. Like you can't explain. Yeah. I had 400 people and then people walking out and saying how, how much they loved your comedy and you have people that are like, man, I just had the worst day and for like 30 minutes you made me forget about my mom passing yeah. and stuff yeah. like that and you're like, Wow. Yeah. You, you, it's a therapeutic thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, man, that's a that's very powerful. I didn't know I had that ability to talking about dick jokes or something to make you forget about your mom's <laughs> death. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. That's kind of deep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's it, it and it's and it's when you start getting it from because I always came into this 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 business. I wanted to be universal. I never wanted to be like a person who only appeal to just the black people you yeah. know, or appeal to white people. I wanted everybody to be able to sit down and have a good time watching. I want if you're a man or a woman yeah. to be able. And when I go to shows and old, I'm so surprised that old people rock out with me, like old people. And I'd be so blown away and be like, oh, I can't, I enjoyed you. I'm like, did you really? I have a comedy show that uh, we did that you had set up the uh, league one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was Thanksgiving. Okay. Remember that the family yeah. came yeah. and the yeah. old people in the audience yeah. and was laughing at your stuff. Yeah. It, it blows my mind, man. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, God, God speaks through people. You know, yeah, and, and you if you watch certain interviews with certain people, you'll see that. You'll see, you'll be like, man, I'm just getting chills listening to this person yeah. speak, you know. And you'll be like, you can, it's like that electricity there. Yeah. Like, you can't describe it just like it. You just can't describe it. Mm-hmm. But I know felt for me when I feel like I do some shows and I feel like I'm doing well, I can, I feel like I can literally um, feel my brain like. I, there's like a pressure in my brain. I can mm-hmm. feel like growing, and it's mm-hmm. like I feel like it like kind of like just makes me like drive further into that. It's like a, it's like a worse sensation. It really it, is. It, it's an it's a it, like it's a drug. Yeah, it's definitely a drug. Um, I don't I don't know how it's classified because and it's it's a definitely an addiction. Yeah, you oh, need yeah. the at first it's an attention that you need, but then once you realize that like man I'm I'm good at this, you want to get better. And then you not only do you want to get better, you want more time. Uh-huh. You start off with like, man, five minutes is a long time. And then all of a sudden, five minutes ain't a long time. Yeah, when like, you whoa, learn, that's it? Five right. Minutes? Yeah. When you learn how to make people laugh, 
And then you're like, man, I need more time. And then 10 minutes isn't enough. Mm-hmm. And then 15 minutes isn't enough. And right now, I'm at a point where 30 minutes isn't enough. Really? Yeah, 30 minutes isn't enough. Do you like, hit an hour now or? If I want, if, if somebody give me a time, I, yeah. go, I would go an hour Man. comfortably. Comfortably Man. with material. Like, and not just up there, because anybody can get up on stage and talk shit. Yeah. But to be up there with an hour's worth of material that you is tested, mm-hmm. that you know that, and. It's all about now putting it in order. Yeah, navigating the story. Yeah, yeah. So that it all flow. flows because if you ever watch, you know, the greatest comedy special to me ever was Eddie Murphy's Raw. Okay. Right? Yeah. Just to me personally, everybody has their own personal, but that was I mean, like two hours, you know, and to see that it flowed the whole oh, time. The whole way through, and it and it it, it wasn't like he, he he had his proper callbacks, and it was just like so masterfully put out that is like you want whenever you go in an hour you want it to flow you want it to tell the story so it's like getting it there and then once you put out an hour I wouldn't put out an hour until you have another hour to sit up there to go with because once you put out an hour like in a in like a say if you film an hour then you want to have another hour that Okay, now because that hour's thrown away, they don't already heard that. Yeah, the world's heard that. They're not gonna want to hear those jokes exactly. anymore. Yeah, this ain't music, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, this isn't music where people be like tell us that old joke and yeah. you start telling a joke and everybody start reciting the joke with you <laughs> and then you all say the punchline at the same yeah. time. I wish it was like that, but it's not like yeah. that. Yeah, it's always like the new. What's the next new? What's thing? next? Yeah, what's next? Yeah. Well, that thing is kind of cool because it does force. Us as uh, as entertainers, comedians, to push further, you mm-hmm. know, and go and think, okay, what can I do differently, or what can I do better, or what can I improve on? So I, I like that that pressure. Um, most times, sometimes it's kind of overwhelming, but most times I like that pressure. Okay, you know, let's see how much I can make this drive. Like, and I think that comes where a lot of like frustration were because at different levels you have different frustrations oh yeah at different levels different frustration and one frustration is where you say it will push you like i always want people to come to my shows like my friends and stuff like that i want them to come to my shows because then them being there would push me to do something different yeah that it would put like oh you've been here okay i have to do something different yeah you know don't you feel don't you feel like a sense of comfortability you know what i mean because you know they're there, so it's like you can kind of let your guard down and push that. I'm the opposite. Oh, you are? I'm the you opposite. When more tense? Yeah. Whenever whenever friends and families are, are, are there, I'm always more, I'm more tense. And why do you think that is? Because the expectation of them knowing the story. Oh, So, okay. like, if they're like, yo, how'd you do last night? And I'm like, man, it was pretty good. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, other people are like, oh, yeah, it was great, yada, yada, yada. And, and they're seeing all this stuff from afar. Like, yeah. oh man, you are doing it, and then they get there. If it's not good, then it's like, uh, I was lied to. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> I want them to be able to see it in the magnitude that it's usually at. Yeah, I can understand that. All right, um, I know. So I wrote these questions <laughs> a long while ago. So um, I know last year we had performed at Phoenix Fan Fusion together. Okay. And um, that was your first time when you when you performed. I think you told me that was your first time last year. It was last year, I think it was. I've done it three times. Okay, believe, never mind. Then. <laughs> I believe three. I believe three times. Okay, so so that being your third time, 
since you've been used to it, um, how do you think that your experience has been performing for that specific type of crowd? Uh, well, well, here's the thing. I, I'll give them like maybe three to four nerd jokes. Okay. Right. Yeah. Three to four nerd comic book jokes that we can all be like, oh, okay. But I'll give it to them in my style. Yeah. You know, like I think I was talking to them about the uh, whole emergence of black superheroes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The changing of black superheroes and stuff like that. And then I'll just go into my life. Yeah. And I'll just be like, because me, maybe call it narcissist, you know, whatever. But I'm like. I'm more comfortable talking about my world yeah. and how my world is is viewed. Like it's also everybody else's world, but different. Yeah, you know, and that crowd there because I always get great love from them. Like yeah. I, I, I love that crowd. Yeah, it, 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 there's there's no way to explain doing a show in front of 300 people dressed up as superheroes. Yeah, there isn't. There There's isn't. no way to there explain isn't. the shit. Like, it is, it, it is an experience when you're telling jokes and you're like, oh, that's fucking Captain America right yeah. there. <laughs> that is an awesome Captain America. Yeah. Or you're sitting there and somebody is just sitting there and they're just randomly in one of your favorite video game characters. Mm-hmm. You're like, I didn't even know anybody else played fucking Cubert. Yeah. But here you are. <laughs> <Just Q-Bert. laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like that. And and they're so appreciative. They are. They're that's, so appreciative. That's the one thing too. Like they, you know, that they're there to genuinely have fun. You know, mm-hmm. whereas a comic club, you know, so if people get a little too much alcohol and then they're a little mm-hmm. or whatever. But you know, they're at that the Phoenix Fan Fusion shows. Like they just love to laugh. Yeah. Like they, and they and they come right up to you after the show too, and they want to shake your hand and ask about your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's I I love that crowd. Yeah. You it as a comedian, you you have different types of crowds, and that is definitely a crowd that you're just always like I know they're going to be appreciative yeah I know they're going to you know I've seen people bomb there oh yeah me, yeah, me too I've seen yeah. people bomb there but like if if you're solid then they'll definitely love you yeah if you bomb too they don't really they don't really um, they're just quiet yeah they, they, yeah they don't really even act rude towards you or like they don't, they, they, here's what they, you're right because they don't sit up there and when you're bombing and the crowd just starts to talk that's that's a that's a different type of that's a we don't give a shit about yeah. you you're on stage yeah. because there's over 300 people in that room and if they all start talking and chattering then you can get drowned out easily yeah. but they don't do that they'll they just don't. listen yeah which I, which I think is very respectful yeah. and mature of them because I've been in rooms where I've bombed people they would just have full conversations at the table I'm like well Guess I'm gonna kill myself now. Like, <laughs> and that was that was always my favorite thing to do, like in rooms that were bars, because like a lot of comics, they just want to sit up there and come and get up into the club. Yeah, they just want to be like, oh, I want to do stand up, I want to do house comedy, I want to do these clubs, right? And they don't understand that working bars really sharpens that oh, knife. Yeah, because. I love used to love to watch rooms that were like a comedy be up and then the crowd be all talking and everything and it'd be just chatter because they didn't really come here to see comedy. Yeah. And then getting on stage and grabbing their attention and the silence because when you first start doing comedy, silence is like scary, especially coming from radio. Yeah. Silence, dead air is like death. But once you get to the point where you just knew 
That whole room was talking through that last person set. And right now I could drop a pin in everybody because they're so in tune to the story that you're telling. It's that's when I talk about the power. Yeah. That's when you're like, okay, I got you guys. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. It's, it's definitely builds up your fortitude. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Cause it, I, I think that's one of the trains that communities should go through to at least do a couple of bars and stuff. Cause Absolutely. yeah, they, they bars don't give a fuck. They'll, yeah. they'll rip you. Like, like man, you're there, you're there. Remember people there have a drink, meet, talk to friends, hang out, get holler at girls and stuff like yeah. that. The last thing they want to do is just shut up. Exactly. Here's my tell jokes that they yeah. don't care to see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And also if you can get their attention, then people who actually come to see comedy are easy. Yeah. That's easy, man. Yeah. yeah. That's where the work work comes in when they don't want to see you. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think that you manage to keep what you say fresh and relevant in today's climate? Don't be afraid of change in your life. You know, when I, like I said earlier, when I first came into this comedy, I was a single man. I'm now married with two kids. Mm-hmm. I haven't stopped comedy in none of that period of time. I've had people I'm in that period of time, in that seven, going on eight years of comedy, I've watched people come in, get girlfriends, and, and stop. You know, come in, you know, yeah. and stop here, stop there. And I've never stopped. Yeah. I'm, I'm never, like, every week, every, I'm always doing something. And the fact that my life is continuing to change and I'm not stopping while it's changing allows me the ability to go up there and talk about uh, my wife or my yeah. kids or, you know, my past and how it's so different than that or being from Africa or being, you know, yeah. all kind of stuff. So just seeing life and, and, and moving with it. And do you think that the way comedy is done now as opposed to when you first started has changed? Yes, yeah, it's changing. It's 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 changing because uh, social media is getting stronger. Oh no! It's getting yeah. stronger. Yeah, it's like a it's like a a monster. But it, it, here's the thing: it's a it's everything's perspective. Everything's perspective. So, like some people look at it as a bad thing. I look at it as a good thing. You could look at it as a bad thing because if you look at your timeline, people be like, "Oh, all this Trump, this stuff, yeah. and all this war stuff, and all this, and all this racism." And then, but on my timeline, that is happening. But also on my timeline, you got engaged. Yeah. Uh, my friends had babies. I watched people accomplish dreams and goals every day. Every day, yeah. like there's so much good that's on there, so it's yeah. like a, it's a monster. So it's like, yeah, I can see careers get ended on there, and yeah. I see careers grow and blossom on there. So yeah. it's a, it with with that beast and people now becoming like internet comedians, you know, where it's like uh, memes, yeah, are like you know the new comedy, right? Yeah. Where it's like. Oh, you didn't get that comedy idea from yourself. You got it from a meme. And yeah. it's like, actually, what if the meme got it from me? Yeah. Or what if the meme got it from somebody else? But it's just random comedy thought. But yeah. it's random thought. And it's like, people will use those things and, and start trying to become comedians off of memes. Yeah. And it's like... How do you feel about that? Because I, I have my own opinion about it. But You know what? Everything... You can't hide for long. Like... Comedy is just like a football field, and eventually you'll get exposed. Yeah. You know, 
eventually that offense will find out that you can't cover your man yeah. or they you can't block that man or you can't get off. They'll find out you'll get exposed. So you can sit up there and rock certain crowds for so long, but you'll only get so far because where you really want to get to is in that plateau of big comedians. You won't be able to get there because people will be already known. Well, you stole that from there. That's why you stole that from there. That's why I talk about my life. Yeah. Because you can't tell me I stole my life. Exactly. You can't sit up and tell yeah. me this and that. No, this is my life. Yeah. If somebody else is out there living that life, then kudos to them. But this is my life. Yeah. And that is how, like, you, you kind of steer away from that whole being lumped up. Because there's so many funny things that you see on the internet it can get caught in your subconscious. It, yeah. And that's, and I know like when I used to do shows back in the, like when I first started, uh, people would tell me, oh, have you seen this guy's stand special? Have you seen this guy's special? I was like, I don't watch. I try my heart not to watch dance yeah. specials. I don't try, not that I don't want to support the comedian or whatever. I don't think they're funny or anything like that. But it's just the fact that every time you watch something like that, there's always a part of that set that you find funny. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh man, how can I put my own spin in it? Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, if I put my own spin in it, it's original, but it's not an original thought. And I want to have as many original thoughts as I can. So I try not to watch that many stand specials if I can. Like if my lady watches one and I'm near the TV, whatever, I'll, I'll obviously I'll watch it. But yeah, I try my hardest not to really watch them. And that's that's where the problem lies because I'm the same way. I used to love stand-up comedy and watching comedies. But then if you're on the stage a lot and you're just off the cuff, you can forget that you saw something somewhere else. And subconsciously, that's in your head. Yeah. So you'll go to say something that you think is funny, only not knowing that you heard that a year ago on a comedy special of some random dude that you don't even remember his yeah. name. But you it, it's stuck there and yeah. you don't and it, it's a tough way to thing to get out because you're not thinking and then later on somebody's like hey man I heard that on yada yada yeah. yada and, like, and I see a lot of, a lot of fans people that, that happen too where like they'll have comparison videos of like uh, someone mm-hmm. saying it Amy before Amy Schumer was like that yeah that was yeah, yeah. Amy Schumer was dead on with yeah. so many other comics you know yeah. and it's like look I've had jokes that I've told and then watched a comedy special and watched somebody like Dave Chappelle sit up there and tell that joke in a new special, yeah. and I'd be like, "Well, I guess I can't say that anymore." Yeah, you know, because taken. you are too big, and I am nobody, and yeah. they will never believe that I had that idea on my own before. And I could sit up there and be like, "Oh," and what I'll do because that's happened a couple times. I'm that uh, that's happened with Dave. That's happened with uh, Bill Bellamy. That's happened with a couple of comics where it's like I'll look at this special and I'll be like, mm, "That's a joke that I tell," and then I won't tell that joke anymore. And I'll have to sit there with a, you know what? I guess I'm on the right path because I'm on the wavelength of some people who who are already there. Yeah. Uh, some people just be like, yeah, you know what? I told the joke. I wrote the joke, and I'm standing by it. I'm not willing to go there. Yeah. Because it's not that. It's not that. That's not me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, so one of the things that I like about your comedy is that when you get up on stage, you you carry around this uh, wrestling belt. <laughs> Oh, there it is. Yeah. The world champion of comedy, Mike B. Dapper, has the Congo Republic and the USA flag on either side. I'm looking at it right now. I'll put it on my uh, Instagram on a Monday when I post the episode. What is the origin of that belt? You know, the truth, everybody always wants to know that. And I say, hey, man, like, one thing about the world, and especially in this business, and, and people are always going to tell you 
you are something. You're this and you're that. And you'll believe that you're more than that. Yeah. And But people who are have no credentials uh, at anything will tell you that you're not this and you're not that. Yeah. Well, if I believe I'm a champ, then, I, then that's what I am. Right? And that belt is more or less a me rubbing in the hate okay. that is received where, oh, you're not this. Oh, you're not that. Well, it says right here, I'm the champ, baby. Yeah, it's like, it's like a big, like a so, big F you, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. like, you can't tell me no different. Right here, it says I'm the champ. What, what is your credentials to say that I'm not? Yeah. You know, and that is just a, a, a constant, like, a reminder of nobody can tell you you're not what you are. That's you true. know, if you believe you're a king, then you're a king. Yeah. If you believe you're a queen, then you're a queen. If you believe you're a champ, then you're a champ. And that's just a way of letting people know that without, you know, yeah. constantly saying, like, no matter what you tell me, I'm still going to be the champion yeah, in my world. I still feel like, like regardless, yeah, yeah, you say what you want to say about me, but I'm still going to be the champion when I go home. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, one of the things that uh, you mentioned earlier about your uh, your wife, and your wife is actually a police officer, mm-hmm. and um, was there, like, a certain... Um, well, actually, I'm going to ask you first. So how did you and her actually meet? Uh, was it during lockup or something? No, no, no. Everybody always asks that. Did she, did she arrest you? I ain't never been arrested a day in my life. I am good with my uh, elusiveness. <laughs> okay. uh, but no, it was a, it was an online thing. It's literally an online thing. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Where, um, uh, and it, a plenty of fish thing where I wasn't, okay. I had been on there probably for a couple of years, but like the first year I was dating, you know, and like looking for girls. And, and then after that, I just stopped and I was just on there merely because plenty of fish was the only, uh, dating website where you can post like a link to your videos, oh, wow. your comedy videos. Okay. So I would post in my bio, a link to my comedy videos to get my, uh, views up uh-huh. and you know periodically i check my inbox and then i check and i was like oh okay yeah well, we'll listen to what this one has to say and then we met up and then we i had a show because she thought i was a a, a catfish really yeah, she didn't think she 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 <laughs> loves the show she didn't think oh. i was a real she she didn't think i was too i was that's too, too good to be to true be, that's what yeah I, that's all I that was <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So she, uh, I had a show up at a stand-up, uh, no, at Tempe Improv. Okay. Uh, Gabe Bill had a, a thing for Africa. Uh, okay. And, yeah, I know he does it often, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she had went up there, and that was like our first date. And then after that, we, you know. Got to talking. Yeah. Yep. And then she told me she was a cop. And then I was like, you know, I smoke weed. And she was like, okay, well, I'm like, if I can accept your life, you can accept mine. <laughs> and then it was like, you know, you know, there's always misconceptions. Here's the thing. There's always misconceptions about both. Yeah. Right. Until, yeah. And, until you really sit up there and you get to know that person. Now, there's good, good cops and there's bad cops. Yeah. And the ability to sit up there and be so close to the department and be able to influence because there's a lot of things that I influence because of her position and yeah. that her having the ear of important people. Yeah. So there's a lot of perspective that I can give from the community that gets in there that would not have been given had I not been with this woman. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's a, it's a, 
They got people always say you want to change things, you got to change it from the inside. You do. It doesn't change from the outside. Yeah. So if you want people to change, then you got to go inside and change those people. Yeah. And with the same things that I tell her about, because we in the beginning we used to go back and forth about, you know, it wasn't easy yeah. being with a, a lot of bumping heads. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, seeing my point of view in my world and seeing how your world affects my world yeah. and how that world affects the whole world and. Not that like it was a brainwashing and anything like that that I had to do. It was a just open, open your eyes, eyes. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. open your eyes and understand that you know because I would tell her, look, you have if you want to make change because I would try to help. I impl- help implement different community programs where it's like, look, man, you're never gonna reach me. I'm always gonna feel the way I feel about police officers. Yeah. I love you, okay, yeah. and that's where the, really the buck stops. Like that, I have respect for a lot of officers, but I don't. There's a certain fine line between me and my, you know, where it's not because I with you that I'm like, oh, I love law enforcement. Yeah. Hell no. Yeah. I know there are so many bad officers out there, but I tell her like, if you want the community to change, then you guys have to change the community. You're never going to get through to me, but what you can do is you can get through me through my kids. Yeah, exactly. So, the younger generation. Right. Yeah. So if, if officers, I was like, I tell her implement a program where officers would coach uh, uh, football and basketball, uh, uh, police officer football leagues, police officer basketball leagues where only police officers are coaches and only police officers are referees. And if the community can see uh, police officers putting time into their kids and being nice to their kids. When something happens in the community and, and they go to talk to somebody, they're going to know them see. as that officer yeah. that was working with their kid and they're going to know them on a more personal exactly. level. So that bond will build. And that's how different things that being able, being with her, being able to establish in her department. Now that's not going to spread out to every department. That's not yeah. every department, but that's how you start. You yeah. have to start from somebody in yeah. somewhere. So, you know, yeah, it's a lot of, I think with any job, not just a police officer, but I think with any job, you you can grow a certain stigma of what um, un, the opposite of what you do mm-hmm. is. You know what I mean? So I think that it is good that you actually have, you know, uh, at least help you know, show her a little bit of, you know, what the, the not the human perspective, but I guess maybe the black perspective mm-hmm. of what, you know, our reality is. Because a lot of people don't want to... They they hear it, but they don't want to see it, right? You know, and they don't want to acknowledge right. it. And I and um, one thing my my fiance used to say, she said, "Like I I want a world with just rainbows and butterflies." And I said, "You know, I don't live in that world. Yeah, I, I wish I could. Yeah, you no, know, God knows I wish I could, yeah. but that's just not my reality. Like I'm, on my birthday, actually, uh, we had we were on the way home, and I was spent. I have a twin brother, so we had a birthday party together. We're on the way home, and I get stopped by an not cop. I'm on my way home. We were like literally like three minutes away from my house and we got stopped by the cops and uh, my fiance was driving in and she said that during that time, that was the first time she actually felt scared for me. And I said, and I want you to hold on to that and just realize mm-hmm. this is how I feel mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. And obviously it wasn't doing anything. We had a moment like that. We had a moment like that. And last year, was it last year? Where the in Texas, where those officers that got shot in, in Dallas went over the right, was it two years I think, ago? I think it was either two, yeah, I think, yeah, within two years. Okay, yeah. where it was, and they were shooting, nobody knew where the shooters yeah. came. So at that period of time, there was a lot of officers out here that didn't want to go to work. They, yeah. they didn't want to go to work because they thought that they were in danger of Targets. being, because there was another shooting 
up in New York where somebody walked up on officers yeah. and shot the officer. Yeah. So there were shootings. There were officers that were being shot in a period of in this period of span, which were scaring other officers that they didn't they were calling in, they didn't want to go to work. And I and I remember telling her, I was like, You see how that feels? Only six people had been shot and yet people oh. don't want to go to work. People don't want to go to work. Yeah. But every day I watch another innocent blind person being shot and yet I go to work every day. Yeah. You know, or I yeah. have people get up and I was like, but do you see? And every once in a while you can get them to see, get a glimpse. Yeah. Of a glimpse of what you live in, in a whole, yeah. an everyday spectrum because nobody wants to believe that your life is in danger at exactly. every moment. They don't want to believe that until they're put in that situation exactly. yeah. where they're like, oh no. Yeah. Your life could be in danger. And it's yeah. like, you're right. Because like that instance of fear is our normalcy. Yeah. And it's a sad Where when she, when they pull her over, she's just like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. And they, and they told her, oh, your high beams are on. And the high beams weren't on. First off, they weren't on. And then they're like, oh, uh, you got ID on you, box? To me. And I was like, yeah. And my lady was like, you weren't even driving. Why do need your ID? And I was like, they probably see you out with somebody that needed rest. Probably. Mm-hmm. They probably see that had any prior for any felons in the out. I said, it's probably what they were doing. And she was like, well, I don't like that. And I was like... And you ain't got that right to not like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you ain't got that right to not exactly. like that. You got it. And it's, it's interesting. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a lot of... Uh, but like you said, it's a lot of barrier da- breaking down. Like mm-hmm. A lot of barriers are being broken down. So I think it is a good thing that you know, at least she's willing to you know, see some perspective of what you know mm-hmm. it is. Um, I know that... Uh, so I know we talked earlier about the two shows. Oh, I mentioned the two shows. We didn't talk about them. So explain to me what the League of Extraordinary Comedians is and why you did it. Um, well, originally why I started doing it is because I want. I'll be honest with you. I wanted to get in good at the House of Comedy. Okay, okay. <laughs> like, it's a good place. Though. It's a really it's good a really place. Good yeah. It's, but what happened was um, I had um, I, I I would do a bunch of shows over there for people, whether it was a glow show where you have neon lights and it'd be all dark, or it was a beer and bingo. But there was all kind of different variety shows. Yeah. And I would go do those shows and um, just to get in. I, it wasn't like I got paid for any of them. I would just, you know, did them for free. And just to get in, my, get in the door. And I, I think it was crazy about comedy right now. And just from the time that I got in, and I hate to because you asked me this earlier, how do you see things differently? Well, when I first got in, I got in and I want to go to every open mic. I want to just grind, grind, yeah. grind, yeah. grind, grind. Yeah. Where now, uh, can't, and, and I didn't think about money. I did not think about money because I'm like, this is not the money. I'm, I'm waiting for the long, the big money. Yeah. I want to get good and then earn that money. Yeah. And now Cass is like, yo, I want to get paid. Just to be at a club. Yeah. At a club where when I started doing the club, I was just then trying to get in there. Now I do weekends. Now I have, I'm, you know, I have multiple shows. Yeah. I don't think anybody else has more multiple shows there. And it was because I wasn't money hungry. Yeah. You know, the money was going to come. And, and I, and I, I started, I, I did those shows and somebody saw me killing it on those shows and was like, hey, you know, do you want to do your own show? Yeah. And I was like, all right, well, I'm now being able to host here on, you know, at least once a month. I'm, 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 I'm doing, I'm hosting a weekend once a month. I'm, I got a show. I was like, yeah, you know, because now I can give somebody else an opportunity 
to come up because that's all it is, is, okay, somebody gave me an opportunity and I give somebody else an opportunity and then somebody's going to give me an opportunity and I give. So we're basically just, you know, doing the little where, okay, climbing a wall, team wall climbing, you know, team wall climbing, you know, and that's my mentality. So I started the League of Extraordinary Comedians just to be out there and give comics who have not had an opportunity to perform at that club. Yeah. To be able to say, hey, look at this person. This person's funny. If you want to use this person on the weekend or something like that, here's their chance. Yeah. Right? Because that's how it happened for me. So, um, and that's why I've been, I've been doing it almost, it's going on two years. And in August, it'll be two years nice. I've been doing it. That's legal. great. Right. And this this show right now that I have, I, none of these comics have been up there. So I've constantly made it a point to have different comics and have a variety of comics. Yeah. So if you ever look at a show that I've put together, that there'll always be more than, there'll be like eight, if there's eight people, two of them will always be a woman. Yeah. I, yeah, because last year I did with you, there was the opera singer yeah. mm-hmm. and then the uh, other woman, yeah. Yeah, I, as a black comic, I know how hard opportunities are. So, you know, women are viewed as, to an extent as like minorities. Yeah. You know, yeah. white, black, man, Mexican, you know, the white ones might have a little bit more privilege, but it ain't by much. Yeah. It ain't, it ain't. like no real privilege yeah. like that. So being a comic who understands how opportunities, how hard opportunities are to come by, I try to give women and, and everybody an opportunity. And that was the League of Extraordinary Comedians, to give everybody an opportunity to be seen. Yeah. That was what that one was yeah. from. And then I came up with the second one. Yeah, the second one, though, What You Think. Yeah. So explain that one, too, as well. That's a That was so that the world can get on different levels. What You Think was supposed to help the world and people who come to a comedy show get to know the comedian better. Okay. So what I had was my best friend go up there. He was going to host it. He's not a comedian. He's just a person who... Uh, has a very good opinion. He actually came up with a name for both shows. Okay. So okay. the League of Extraordinary Comedians and what you think was uh, created by my best friend. Okay. And he, I had him come up there. I, I used to work in radio with him. Okay. So, okay. uh, he, I had him come up there and do the, uh, hosting from the stage. So he'll sit on stage, comments and do their set, like a seven minute set. And then after that set, they'll sit down and we'll do an interview. I'll walk through the crowd. And what we wanted to do was be able to help comics get feedback on like certain jokes, certain materials. So a lot of times when I'm after shows, some people be like, you should have said this. Yeah. And sometimes it's stupid, but sometimes it's really good. Yeah. They'll give you a really good tag and I'll use that tag and I'll be like, you know, I'll be like, thanks. Yeah. So I wanted like an open writer session. With the crowd. Kind of like a forum. Yeah. yeah. So where the crowd can be like, oh, you could say this, or oh, I didn't like that, or oh, I like that, or oh, where can I find you at? So yeah. that we can sit up there and plug and build our brand. Uh, I wanted to do that. There's certain comics that are good that I feel like more people should know about. There's other comics that I feel like, yeah, you're not that good, and you need to know the truth about where you at. Yeah, because you're, so you can grow. Yeah, because you're, you have a false illusion of who you really are. Yeah. And I think that you're not going to get that understanding from us as comics I think you need to hear this from the audience yeah I think the audience needs to tell you yeah that was too dark or yeah "Yeah, that was you know not funny at all have you had has your show ever had those experiences yet where there's Mm -hmm. been comics yeah 
Yeah, I mean, what my it, like the thing about it is, you know, I I could definitely use more black folks at that at that show. Okay. And no other time do I care about like uh, the audience. But one thing about black people is we're very honest. Oh yeah, very. And we're yeah, not afraid. We'll tell you, like very five minutes. Yeah, yeah, very honest and very opinionated. You know, so like white people tend to be more reserved with their honesty because they don't want to hurt feelings. Yeah. But black people, like if they pay five dollars, they're gonna be honest about this shit. Uh-huh. Let me tell you something, dog. That shit was not funny. I did not like it yeah. because they 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 feel like they need to. You know, get the most out of their money. Yeah. You know, yeah. and they're willing to tell you if you gave them the most out of their money. Yeah. Whereas, well, I feel like sometimes white people were like, well, I just think that if you just tweak this a little bit, mm-hmm. but I'm like, no, tell me what it is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm a person who, like, if you, if you gave me criticism after a show, people might not think that I'm a person because people always be like, oh, you're, you're, you know, you're good. You're good. Come on. I'm not going to give you criticism. Like, I love it. Yeah. I've learned in radio. That if you know where your weaknesses are, you only get stronger. Yeah, because they say, "Well, you're only as strong as your weakest link," something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I, I like that when you told me the concept. I thought that was such a a good idea because a lot of times, like you said, that um, people they don't they do have that illusion and air about them that no, oh yeah, my, my stuff don't stink, mm-hmm. and then they get on stage and they got stage thinking their stuff don't stink, and no one's gonna tell them differently, but. If you give them a forum to where they can hear them and people can actually be like, you know what, sir, I did not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, then they, I think you said, like I said, uh, it helps them to go back to the, the writing board and like, evaluate, you know, what it is that they can tweak in the material. See, re- see, see, comedy is a lot like wrestling, right? In what sense? And and by wrestling, I mean like that WWE shit. Yeah. Okay. And not the real like wrestling. Yeah. And the sense of the Stone Cold wasn't Stone Cold when he first started. That's true. You yeah. know, yeah. a lot of people aren't like the superstars they are when they first start wrestling. Yeah. Now, some people are blessed and they can be a Hulk Hogan. Yeah. They can just come out there and just be like, listen to your brother. This is who I am. And that sells and, they, and they're just a star. Yeah. And other people look at that that Hulk Hogan and they'd be like well I want to be that Hulk Hogan where it's like nah you want to be who you're not yeah you you don't want to be who we perceive you to be and if you just be honest with who we perceive you because that lack of self-awareness is the the worst thing that happens to comics if you know what we see and you sit up there and know how to speak on what we see yeah and make it funny then that's self-awareness then you can sit up there and and be like, okay, well, I want to be this guy who talks about this. Yeah. But they're clearly seeing me as this guy. Uh-huh. So let me just embrace this guy that they're seeing me exactly. at and see how this works. Exactly. And then they come to find out, hey, you know what? It was easy to, that was a lot easier than telling this old intellectual joke because all I had to do was come out and be like, anybody want their furniture moved? Yeah. And they instantly saw me as a guy who looks like he moves furniture. Yeah. And they just laughed. Yeah. I, I know there's, there's an artist, uh, Marilyn Manson, mm-hmm. I heard he's like that. Yeah, on stage he's one thing, but off stage he's very like kind hearted and, and soft spoken and mm. just really relaxed and laid back. And uh, I think someone told me that he didn't like his pictures being taken really or something like that. Like he's not very like he's not very uh out in the public mm. as people would perceive him to be on stage. So but I think he has embraced like I said, embraced that character. Yeah. 
and then off stage he can be who he wants to be. So, yeah. Yeah. And I see people who do that. The only toughest part about that is is you have to embrace it at all times. Yeah. And that's like when I got into radio, I was like, okay, I got a deep voice. Now, which do I want to go? Because if you listen to me talk right now, when I'm animated, it's a little bit higher. Yeah. But if I'm, if you catch me walking around the house, I'm be like, hey, y'all, can I? Uh, it's, yeah. And it's deeper. Yeah. Now there very, are gonna very be white. right. There's there's a segment of people who would love just to hear that yeah. smooth, deep voice and be like, yeah, ladies, I'm just, yeah, and it, it would love to hear that. But at times, if I really want to, if something happens, and I like. I'm like, oh, my. and I happen to be on air. Yeah. And, you know, 9 11 happens while I'm on the air. I'm like, oh my God, y'all, it's going down. Shit's yeah. crazy. Who the yeah. fuck is on air? Yeah. Who the Robin fuck is Barry. this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell is this dude? Yeah. It's like, okay, no, no. Okay, everybody, everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. <laughs> no, 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 calm down. Shit getting crazy. <laughs> and they're like, I don't know who to believe. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I had to sit up there and just be like, I'm going to go with me. I, I'm not going to sit up there and try to be this dude who could be sexy dude all the time that they hear on the air. I'm just going to be me. Yeah. And yeah, I, that's something I earlier I had struggled with who I wanted to to show because I guess I because I feel like nobody is ever one way. Everybody's oh, I think people in general are just multifaceted. Mm-hmm. I think everybody has a has a layer to themselves. And I was I think it was about me just finding what layer I wanted to show on stage because everybody has those different uh, niches to themselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I do definitely relate to what you're saying about how you know, just be who you are on stage and if people perceive that, be who what they want you to perceive. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's definitely a balance. You gotta play. You gotta play with their perception. Yeah, that's all you're doing. Yeah, and I think it's probably why it may work, worked well when you saw me on the stage because my yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk. So this is not really a serious question, but I want to talk about something that has really been sweeping the nation, kind of like an infection. Okay. Um, the Popeyes chicken sandwiches. Okay. Um, how, how, how do you how, how do you feel about that? I've never had one. Me either. I've never had one. Um, and and it's not because I'm on a diet. Okay. Even if I wasn't on my diet, I would not have one. Why not? We did. Because anything that makes people act like that, I never want to. Thank have. you. Thank you. I never want to have. Yes. Anytime, like man, I watched the Boondocks, and I was like, "This is literally an episode of the, the Boondocks." Boondocks. Yeah. Like, like a chicken craze, America that is fighting and looting and, and acting plum. Like, here's the thing, man. If, if I was to pull up, if if people were like it was good and everything, and there weren't lines, you might get it. I might. I might have got it. Yeah. But the fact that I could pull and see a drive through with like 14 cars. After the third car, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. After the third car, yeah. what are you really and doing with your life? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Like and, yeah. and and the fact that people were acting so stupid. Like, I don't mind long lines for things. It's stupid, but you know whatever. Because if you drive by any Dutch Bros, white oh, people, yeah, or Starbucks, yeah, yeah. white yeah. people are, are lined up around the woods mm-hmm. for some. And and White Castle came out. Oh yeah, you know, but. The way they was acting, the yeah. fighting, the the stabbing, the, 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 the like it was just it was bakunery. Yeah, it was. It, it was. It was so. It made me sad. It did. It made me really sad when I saw. I'm like, man, this is, we have spent so long trying to show people that we are more than what the stereotypes yeah. say we are. Yeah. And then we come with a chicken sandwich all of a sudden. We all here doing 
you know, tap dancing numbers and stuff, fighting. Like, I saw a girl, she's, I think she's famous now, but she was, she spray painted the Popeyes logo on her butt cheeks. And she was twerking in front of Popeyes. Ugh. And um, the woman come out and she was like, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, I'm advertising. Oh, no, we don't do advertising like that, honey. Like, uh, You know what? That made me, yeah, you ever seen School Days? Yeah. It made me want to grab her and hug her like Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> at the end and just say, wake up! <laughs> That's all I want to do is yeah. grab her and hug her and be like, you don't need this. Yeah. Like it's just a while, like, the response, how... How negatively it has gone. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, if it was, I don't mind that it's a good, it's a that it's making money, that's profiting, that people are enjoying. But like you said, it's the, it's the to me, it's the mentality behind it. You know what it bothers? You know what it bothers me is the fact that that we're quick to make somebody else billionaires. Like at at it bothers me how comfortable black people are with making other people billionaires, and so how uncomfortable. They are with making someone they look they like or someone they know look a millionaire or rich or famous or whatever. Yeah. The comfortability with with making the wealthy even wealthier and and keeping the poor poor is kind of what bothers me. Yeah, yeah. It's like a I don't know. It's like the, the I don't know if it's a fear behind it or just a self hate. Yeah. Self hate. That might be what it is. Yeah. You know, it's you learn a lot. You learn a lot of uh, success. You really growing up listening to different artists like Jay Z and different artists when they talk about success and the people around you. Yeah. The people around you. You start learning more and and, and you see it. You see it. The the self hate. The the envy. The jealousy. Yeah. It's like when you don't have these. You know, like in the movie Malcolm X when Angela Bass is like, man. You can picture all this and you can talk about all this, but you can't even see or imagine the, uh, somebody betraying you that's so close to you. When you start getting into positions where like people are getting envious of, of the things that you have because they want it, it's, uh, it's sort of like, you know, it's a, it's a different world. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's sad because there's so much growth that could happen within our own community if we just yeah. took the chance. Yeah. yeah. It's to build ourselves up. Yeah. They don't have to tear us down. We do it by ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a sad rat wheel running. <laughs> it really is. Um, I want to ask you too also, uh, something like comedy, how do you how do you personally deal with heckling on stage? Oh, I murder him, bro. <laughs> I murder him. I man, you know, like I don't get to get out in these roast battles like the way I used to. And uh I don't get to murder people online. Oh, I do. Actually I did. Because <laughs> I practice on um on racist online. Oh, okay. So like, I know you did a post about that. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. find I find racist and I'll sit up there and I'll roast them. But and that's just a practice for my heckler. So when somebody gets up there, I already have some ammo yeah. in in the tank, you know, ready to go. Uh but me, I, I, I like to shut them down and then I'll shut them down if I see them going after a comic and a comic couldn't handle them. Oh. So if I'm going back up on stage, then I'll go after them for that comic. I see. Because then because I may not like every comic, but we are brothers and sisters. Yeah. Okay. And when uh, the crowd goes after one of us, then that then they went after all of us. Yeah. And it's on us to teach that person a lesson on how to respect the show and respect. Now, if the comics up there on that bullshit, 
That's their fault. Yeah, let, I've them, seen let that. them let them let them catch that hell from the yeah. crowd. You up there, you dropping n bombs and stuff like that. Whoop his ass, yeah. audience. Get him. I'm not gonna say yeah. shit. But if he up there just trying to tell jokes and ain't maybe not the funniest because he's just not the funniest, and you just like. Get the fuck off stage. Then I'm when I get up on stage, I'm gonna be like, hey, who the ugly dude that was up there screaming that all that get off the stage? Where he at? Where he at? <laughs> that's that that's me. Yeah. But I, I I enjoy them. Like they make you better. That's true, yeah. They make you better. If you know how to handle it. Yeah. If you know how to yeah. handle it. Because personally for me, I don't know how to handle it. I get so I get so like nervous when people talk to me like and I don't know. I don't know why because I'm used to people talking to me, like saying horrible stuff to me. But it's just a different nervousness when you get on stage, and like I feel like at the instance, like the air just shifts, and I can feel it. I'm just like, oh. I think because you know my upbringing. Okay. Uh, being you know, I was, I was you know I was born in Africa, but we moved to Oakland, and and then moved out here. And, but all my years, all my summers, all my holidays, everything was spent in Oakland. Okay. And I was raised around a rough, like, rough people. Okay. You know? Yeah. So it's, and, and to this day, I still physically train. So when I'm on stage, it's not like I feel like somebody's going to whoop my ass. If I felt like somebody was going to whoop my ass, then I'd be a little bit more intimidated by a heckler. Yeah. It's more or less like, I'm going to tell these jokes, I got a mic, you don't got a mic, and I'm going to murder you. what you going to do. Yeah. So it's not a, like an intimidated, like, some. I think some people are, are can't handle hecklers because the fear of what's going to happen next. Okay. That, okay, if I do talk about you, what's going to happen yeah, next? Yeah, you're trying to fight me. Yeah. Right. Okay. Where yeah. I don't care and give a shit about what happens yeah. next if you want to see me on the stage you can see me on the stage yeah. you want to see me in the parking lot you can see me in the parking lot it's what you want to do yeah you know um but it's not gonna be like i'm not gonna if you if you've warranted these me to go at you then i'm not gonna be afraid i'm not gonna yeah some people hesitate like i should have said it. like you should have said it yeah fuck them <laughs> that's true yeah I gotta keep that in mind, man, because, yeah, I always, I'm not, I'm not afraid of, like, getting in a fight because I've got my ass beat before, so I'm not really worried about that, but it is, I don't, it's just a fear of, like, of, like, I don't know, just. Things going completely wrong while you're on stage. Yeah, and, like, me not being able to, to, to navigate, you know, to where I can get back to my joke. I think that's why I'm not. Sometimes you gotta say, fuck that set. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's hard. I, have, that I hold set. on to it so much. I think that's why I gotta start thinking about it. Oh, yeah, you know how many times I had to say, fuck this set. <laughs> <laughs> this is about you, baby. This is about you. <laughs> oh, I gotta, yeah, maybe I shift my thinking in that thing. Cause that's how, that's how I feel like I wanna keep going with what I have in mind. Yeah, so I think I get that in mind. Um, so. Married to a police officer, mm-hmm. police we- police weapons, are they allowed in the bedroom? <laughs> Man, you know, without getting into detail, we got a lot of weapons. Okay. <laughs> without getting into detail, we got a lot of weapons. You know, I never was a weapon person. But no. Now, but now, yeah. <laughs> you know what it is? Because being a black man, I didn't really want to give them a reason to sit up there and be able to shoot me. But then once I got with a cop and it was okay for her to have like weapons and stuff like that now I'm just a collector and then you know we live in a Trump America now yeah as as sad as that sounds 
as a black man, I just can't just sit up there and and not have one in yeah. a state where you're allowed to have one. And I mean, we don't be sitting up there playing, you know, with other rappers. <laughs> I mean, like I say, we don't do that. <laughs> okay, because you're never truly not afraid of something until. You fucked the shit out of me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I don't feel the cops yeah. no more. Okay. Oh, right. man. So I want to ask you, um, what are your pet peeves in with dealing with people, especially like in the, the comedy scene? Oh, great question. <laughs> uh, unprofessional people. Like, you know, there's a lot of stereotypes out. Uh, like we were talking about with chicken and stuff like yeah. that. And, and every... They, I try to kill certain stereotypes as a black comic. So you never, I never cancel shows. And uh, the when I did cancel shows, it, it, when I did, like it was medically because I was really sick. And then I went up to the show and told them that I could not perform tonight. And I bought a, a suitable replacement. I mean, ain't nobody asked suitable. But he, was, <laughs> he was a good substitution. Yeah. All right, and so that it wasn't like. I left that person high and dry. Yeah. Um, I, I, people who do not take shows, um, non-paid shows as serious as paid shows. Like, just because I'm not getting paid doesn't mean I'm going to cancel on you. Yeah. Just because I'm, there's no money on it doesn't mean I'm not going to sit up there and take it, uh, you know, not serious, you know. It's an opportunity. Right. Yeah. And to build your brand, to, you know, and, People who do not see that like that, people who feel that need to be like, oh, I'm get, I need to get paid. It's like one, you're not bringing nobody. Two, you're not even that funny. Yeah. Okay. If you were getting up there and you was on some, I know he about to kill him. Then it's like, yeah, I can get that. Yeah. But even then, I don't demand money every time. You know, I don't demand money. I'll sit up there and be like, okay, let me get my foot in the door. Yeah. Once my foot in the door and you call me back, then I want some money. Yeah. Because now I know you need exactly, me. Exactly, because you're okay. approaching me. Right. Yeah. Um, that right there, the entitlement. The entitlement. The, oh, I deserve to be, you know, yeah. headlining. Or I deserve to be, you know, getting this amount of minutes. And it's like, no, you don't. Yeah. That lack of self-awareness is what annoys me. Yeah. The, you're not as good as you believe you are. Yeah. I got invited to some of the, uh, those groups on Facebook and I had to leave. Yeah, because some of that entitlement you could see, and mm-hmm. some of those comments I never even heard of before. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "How have I never heard of yeah. you? Yeah, you sound like this." Yeah, so I was like, uh, "Let me get away from this negative energy. Like, delete. Like, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, I understand that definitely. Yeah. Um, do you think that there's a lot of backlash? Because um, I know that uh, you talked about something. You said how you are a stay at home dad. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a lot of backlash to being a stay at home dad? Or you know, I mean, at times when people like say, if I get into it with a back and forth with a comic, they'll throw that out there, okay, as if that's an insult to me. Yeah, I worked with kids for over sixteen years. I got over a thousand hours of volunteer work with kids that are not court ordered. Yeah, (laughs) okay. So I I've put my work in with kids all my life. Yeah, right. So my wife's never had kids. I had a kid. Yeah, you know, and it was one of those. Who would be best at this? Yeah. And we both, me and her both know that. And when people try to attack it, because I've had somebody attack, I had a woman attack it. 
last week online when she uh, didn't want to pay me my money because we had a bet. There's a three-year-old bet that Donald Trump would be impeached. Oh, Not wow. that he would be removed, that he would be impeached. And because she didn't understand the law that she was like, well, I don't know you. And I was like, all right. And then she, you know, see, you just stay at home, dad. And then you need to do it. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, okay. You know, I didn't even acknowledge it because that's not an insult to me. Yeah. The problem with people are is they don't understand there's no value to the role and people don't of a, of a father. So it's, it, it gets completely dismissed. And then people have their perspective of what makes something work. Like what, how things are supposed to be played. Yeah. If, if, if the woman isn't good with kids, why put her with the kids that it's not going to help the kids? Yeah. You know, yeah. if the woman, if she made more money, why sit up there and take less money to put her in a role she's not ready or not prepared for or not yeah. as good at to sit up there and say, this is your role as a man and a woman. In society, we always want to sit up and say we're equal. Yeah. They always want to say we're equal. So if we're equal, we're equal in the fact that we are equally able to do what we want to do. Yeah. All right. And not equal in a, oh, well, this is your role and this is your role. And I've had men and women try to attack me in that role. And I laugh because I... Me personally, I know how the benefits my kids are going to have yeah. from me being, you know, a stay-at-home dad and the experiences I had, I've had with kids. Yeah. My kids are at the zoo every day. My kids are, you know, doing things that a lot of kids really wish, or I as a kid would have loved to been able to do. Yeah, you know. So if you're insulting me for being that kind of parent, then that makes you look like an idiot. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not something that I feel I should have to defend. When it's like you're insulting your own self. Yeah. You're not insulting me. You're, you're showing your own ignorance. Right. Yeah. Like my kids are eating good. They're living good. They're they're being fully attended to. So it's like if you feel that this is a role that a man shouldn't have and a woman should be, that says more about you than it does me. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so for back to your comedy now, what... I don't know if you do have one, but what was or is your worst night on stage? It wouldn't. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be in comedy. Okay. It would be if we're talking worst night on stage. It would have had to been in radio. Okay. What happened? Um, two times. Two times. Okay. okay. Two times, and I because I really don't know which it, one would be the first time I've ever been booed on stage. And the first and the only time I've ever been booed on stage. Okay. Uh, and then the other was, uh, I had just broke my foot and turned my foot all the way around playing extreme frisbee with some white people. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, extreme frisbee, extreme frisbee. It's like frisbee. Oh, it's like football with a frisbee. Yeah, that's and, why you broke it. Man, I played basketball my whole life and never. Even God was like, "Nah, bro, you can't." <laughs> this is learning. This is learning. Your uh-huh. black ass out here doing this with these Sitting white the folks. Discus. <laughs> man, I, man, I, I was skying for an interception and I came down and it literally just turned my whole foot man. around. Ugh. And uh, I was on crutches. I was at, I had I was on crutches. And we had the Arizona State Fair, and I was supposed to be. It was an old school jam, and I was supposed to be introducing some artists, okay. right? And at this time, I'm deathly afraid of being on stage. I have not got past that because comedy hadn't happened yet. Yeah. So I'm deathly afraid to be up there. I get up there, I get on there with my crushes, and the morning show host for Mega 104.3 was bringing, uh, who's 
the morning show host right now, Alexander Maria, was bringing, uh, we were supposed to be bringing the person up together. And he's walking around me and I got, you know, on my crutches and I'm looking out this huge crowd and everything, like huge crowd, over a thousand of people, right? Wow. And I'm looking and I'm like, I can barely see anything. All I can see is the front row. And he's like, okay, what do you think of when you hear the song? When you hear, and he names out like, let's go the DJ. And then he's like, what do you think of? And all I, each time he says that, there's a lady in the front row and all she's yelling out is, Tremere! And then he's like, what do you think of it? And she's like, Tremere! And that's all I hear, right? And then he's like, ladies and gentlemen, give it up. And he puts it to my, my, and I was, my mouth and I was like, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Tremere! Right? And then he pulls the mic away. Give it up for Lisa, Lisa. <laughs> and then they come out all fast dancing and everything. And I couldn't get off the stage. Like I couldn't, because I, I was on crutches. So I just had to stand on the side of the stage while they performed in front of everybody on crutches. I can imagine, look at you, it's working, just looking yeah. at you like all mad. Like, you know. Just all, with two crutches just standing there. All, all this is going just on. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't Gee. know, y'all. Y'all get back to inner joint head to toe because I I don't have nothing for you. <laughs> He's a trainer. And then that's all I heard. So I mean, I, I when I announced it with so much confidence, yeah, be so wrong. And that's the worst thing too when you know when you know you think you know something. <sighs> I'm like, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for trainer. It's <laughs> like give it up for Debbie Dare. Like no, nah, it was Debbie Dare. Okay. It was Debbie Dare. It wasn't Lisa Lisa. Lisa Lisa came later. It was Debbie Dare. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and then the other time was when I got booed because corrupt didn't show up to a show. Correct. Oh, okay. And uh Montel Jordan was the last one on. And like I was like corrupt didn't show up and Montel just finished and I was getting off I was trying to plug they were like plug the after party and I was like, Alright, you know, after party da, da. and I was like before I plug after party, I was like, You guys can catch me every Sunday morning and I'll plug my personal radio show. And then after I plugged the after party, I wanted to plug my show one more time. And I think the thugs in the building realized, you mean Corrupt ain't coming up? Because it was like an all R&B show. Montel Jordan, yeah. John B, like Avant, all these, yeah. and, and Corrupt. So there was like like maybe six thugs that was really there for Corrupt. And as soon as they realized Corrupt wasn't coming on, they jumped up. They were like, where Corrupt at? Boo! Boo! <laughs> I was on stage. I was like, I, I had never been booed. I didn't know what to do. So yeah. I just turned around and walked off stage. I didn't know what to do I didn't know what to do with it. I was like, I'm not about to roast these thugs. Yeah. This nigga, this nigga got a wife beater on at a concert. And I was like, you got it. Yeah. like, you got it, bro. You got it. I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. I wasn't, because here's the thing. I'm I'm willing to scrap with anybody. I'm just not willing to shoot. I knew he was willing to yeah. shoot. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew he was willing That's to shoot. That's a there. Nope. <laughs> Catching a bullet. No, you got that, bro. <laughs> Uh, so we talked earlier about how you said you, you are comfortable doing an hour now. Uh, what would be the ideal set of yours to do? Uh, man, if I can get, if I can do an hour at the Apollo Theater. Ooh. Downtown, about, right? Yeah, Harlem. Harlem? Okay. Yeah. What's the, what downtown called? Uh, Stand Up Live. Okay. Like I, doing this hour there isn't really that. I want to do something challenging. Like the Apollo Theater, like where people are like really Critical. real and authentic and like 
Yeah. Yeah. That's right. where a lot of black comedians got their start at, right? Mm-hmm. Apollo, yeah. And, and I always wanted to do, when I always watched Showtime at the Apollo, I always wanted to be the comedian on it because they always got booed. And I always wanted to be the one that fought through the, uh, uh-huh. like, I already knew it. Like, I had a set ready for the Apollo, like, yeah. a three-minute, like, end. And I always wanted to do that. Maybe I'll still get a chance one day. They're still do doing Showtime, right? Or uh, yeah, they do. So I don't know if they uh, like how often because I remember they always changed the host. Yeah, I, I swore somebody. Tony Rock was like the last time yeah, I remember it. I think maybe it's Steve Harvey. I thought Steve Harvey was hosting it. Steve Harvey is he? I think, again? I think he. Because he did, right? This nigga's doing everything. <laughs> Let us have one, He's Steve. A, the comfortable Let, light-skinned black guy yeah. on the TV, yeah. Let us have one. <laughs> Let somebody else play with it. <laughs> you know, do you think, uh, as a, I know you said you were on Playing Fish. That's how you met your um, your uh, wife now. Um, do you think it's hard for a comedian, a male female, to find a partner or to date? Like, do you find any difficulty with it? Here's the thing, because comics are are so different. There's there's a happy comic, and there's a depressed comic. Yeah. So, if you're talking about the happy comic, yes. You're talking about the depressed comic, he'll find a person, or she'll find a person, but they'll, they won't find love, because you can't love somebody else if you don't, don't love yourself. yourself. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think it's... It's always difficult because when you're a comedian, people expect you to be funny all the time. Yeah. And life ain't funny all the time. Yeah. You can find funny in life, but there's a lot of times when you're serious. And sometimes people go into dating a comedian thinking that, oh, well, at least I'll always be able to laugh. Yeah. And it's like, nah, you'll laugh if you're acting right. Yeah. But if you're not acting right, you're not going to laugh. Yeah. You're not going to be a jerk and I'm going to start telling jokes and shit. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. She's on you. Yeah, hey, guys. What's the deal with cigarettes? <laughs> She's like, baby, I, I, I'm seeing somebody else. Well, did you hear the one about the monkey and the dog? <laughs> like, no, yeah. 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 I feel like, because I know there's a lot of stigma with, uh, like, comedians and um, avoiding them because, like, they... I guess because there's there's so many like I said, like I said earlier there's so many uh, layers to them mm-hmm. that I think it's hard for people who date them to to break through the yeah. vulnerability because I know at least for me I had to learn how to, to I had to learn myself that it's okay um, it's okay to cry mm-hmm. you know because that was one of the things I, I never did I always had this garb of I had to be funny and I had to like you know be the either be the butt of the joke or make the jokes mm-hmm. and more not than not, I was the butt of the joke. So um, that caused me, in a way, I guess, to be to be guarded. And mm-hmm. then, like later on in life, I had to realize that it was okay for me to to show that I'm more than just you know, somebody who wants to see people laugh. Because there's more to people than just a surface that you want to show. So I don't know, it was it was a hard thing that it took a while to learn. But like I said, it's it definitely is something that. No, you're not going to get all the time you said. You're not going to get 100% of somebody always making you laugh and mm-hmm. making you happy. Especially if you're not going to be the one to... Give them a reason exactly. to be funny. Exactly. If you get with a comedian, no, you got to give them a reason to be funny. Yeah. You got to be, you know, a good person. If you're a good person, it'll make you... But then, like I said, there's a happy comic and there's a sad, depressed comic. Every, they're all There's depression in all of them. Yeah. There's depression in all of us. That's why we feel the need to go out and make people laugh yeah. because there's a there's something in us that 
doesn't want people to feel the way we feel. Yeah. It's you like know? we seek out what we're lacking. Right. Yeah. And we're like, oh, I don't want you to feel like this. So here, hold these jokes when deep down, no one goes to make comics laugh. It's yeah. hard. You know, it's, it's not a, everybody goes to you to make, to feel better. So you don't get to go to no one to feel better. Yeah. It's a, always a people dump on you because, oh, they want to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, these are my last couple of questions here. Kind of like my signature questions. So I want to ask you, what in life brings you joy? Um, my kids. My family. And making people happy. And making people smile and laugh. Yeah. Like... Outside of that, you know, my dog, <laughs> but he's part of the family. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, outside of that, you, you only have, you know, I, I work with kids. I, I love working with kids. I haven't got to work on the capacity that I used to because of, you know, working with mine. Um, but just making people laugh. Like, when you're giving a gift, we're all giving gifts. And not a single person on this planet is born without a gift. Yeah. I I refuse to believe that there's somebody out there that did not have a single gift. Once you know what it is and once you can find out what it is, you have to use it. And when you use it, you'll find that you feel better the more you use your gift. Yeah. When you acknowledge it and when you go and you use it, you'll feel better. People who play piano, they feel better when they're playing the piano. Like, you know, people who, who, who are born to teach, they, they just feel better when they're, when somebody learns something and they're like, oh, I taught them that. Yeah. So when you use your gifts. Okay. What is a regret that you have in life or do you not have any? Man, I got one. When it happened when I was in radio, um, I was remote tech and I wasn't on air yet and Actually, I was I was on the morning show. I was on the morning show uh, for Kiss FM, and I had to bring Macho Man Randy Savage really upstairs to do an interview. What? Right? Okay. So me and my the co-host for my What You Think show. Okay. We were bringing Macho Man Randy Savage upstairs to do an interview on the evening show. Right? We had to escort him from the garage up into the studio. And we're talking to Macho Man. We're chopping it up with Macho Man and everything. And then we're a job where they escort him back down after his interview. And on the way to escort him back, we're talking. He's like, hey, brother, you guys should come out and party with me tonight. You guys should do it, brother. (laughs) And I was like, man, I would love to, Macho Man, but I got to be at work here at 430 in the morning. Uh Uh-huh. I just can't do it. Like, I got to be a... You look, are you sure, brother? Oh, are you sure? And I was like... <laughs> I was like, yeah, man. I really wish I could. Yeah. And then maybe a year later, he passed away. Oh, dang. And then all I, all I could ever think about is the time that I turned down a party with Mar- Macho Man Randy Savage. Yeah, he's done. Yeah. And Jeez. it's like, if I would have told younger me that you're going to... Macho Man Randy Savage, who you love is going to ask you to go party it and you're going to say no because you have to work in the morning, I'll punch me in the mouth. (laughs) Right in the fucking mouth. Well deserved, too. Yeah. 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 So, like, that's the only regret I have. Like, literally the only regret I have. That's a story you could have told for the rest of your life, too. Man. man. Instead of that punk-ass one I just told you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who Man, that's crazy. Randy Savage. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. (laughs) Rest of so if you could learn the answer to one question in life, what would it be and why? 
Um, why don't people? Why don't people use their common sense? <laughs> why don't they just use their common sense? What's an instance for that? Um, and uh, just, just, just how we were talking earlier in about our a significant other catching a glimpse into the reality of being or the dangers of what it's like to be a black man. If we use our common sense in, in society, because it's not that hard. It's not that hard. We're just a, 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 a never in my life have I seen a period of time where people reject knowledge so much, mm-hmm. Re- reject facts so much, reject information. Never in my life has information been so accessible to people. Like yeah. we have phones that will literally tell us everything. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a time where we would argue night and day over something. Night and day. Because there was no way to prove it. Yeah, unless you got to the library the next day. Yeah, yeah. and how many times did you literally go to a library to prove a point? Never in my life have I... Yeah. Come on, let's go. (laughs) Never in my life. So if I literally can change, I would just be like, use your common sense. Like, common sense is simple. If you don't like it, if it doesn't feel good to you, then common sense is don't do it to somebody else. Yeah. I deal with this when 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 I roast racist online. I don't like I see people that talk about Obama. I don't mind when people talk about Obama and his policies and stuff like that. You hate Obama because you hate his policies. Cool. cool. Yeah. I don't that's that's, that's fair. fair. But when I see people that are on there and they're like Michelle Obama has a dick and all this stuff like that. <laughs> what in the world? That is a thing that like they love to talk about. Like I don't understand it for the life of me. That she has a dick? Yeah, that she's a man and what like What in the world? Th- and and when I see this I just instantly go on their page. I research them, you know, and then I just roast them. I just roast them. And you know what happens? They'll sit up there and be like, "Bro, why do you have to sit up there and talk about my wife? Why do you got to sit up there and talk about talk about his wife?" Right, right. It's fair and game, it, obviously. And then common sense says, if you don't want somebody talking about your wife, then you shouldn't be talking about other people's yeah. wife. And and I'll be like, "Are you really? Are you really going snowflake on me, bro? Are you really? <laughs> are you really going to sit up here?" And, and cry about this? Like, no, I'm not stopping. You know, like you're if you if you don't like me sitting up here talking about your wife, then you shouldn't be up here talking about this man's wife. Yeah. You shouldn't be utter. Common sense should tell you if you don't like people doing this to you, then you shouldn't don't do, do it. To them. Yeah. But for some reason, that's not that doesn't exist right now. <laughs> that doesn't exist. It really doesn't. I am. No. And I'm just bothered by it. I'm just bothered by it. Yeah. You know? Well, it's good you're doing something about it. <laughs> hey, man, I'm life. changing the in world one race at a time. time. <laughs> so I want to ask, what drives you more? The stuff you have done or the stuff that you haven't done? The stuff that I haven't done. Okay. The stuff that I haven't done and being the example for my kids. You know, a lot of people talk and, and say what you need to be doing and what you should be doing. And, but and a majority of that, you'll disregard. Why? Because you'll listen. You'll look at their life. I guarantee you, because I, I saw Bill Russell yesterday, right? Okay. Yeah. And um, if Bill Russell sits down and Bill Russell starts talking to you about stuff, you're going to listen. Yeah. You know, if, if, if Michael Jordan sits down and he starts talking to you about basketball, you're going to listen yeah. because you know the experience that comes with it. You're going to be like, all right, okay, yeah. yeah. You know something. Yeah. yeah. So what drives me is just being the person that people can look at and when they go to listen, when I go to speak, they listen 
and they respect it because they can watch and see that I'm actually doing the things that I'm doing. Yeah. I'm not out there just talking about, oh, I'm going to be this. Oh, I want to be this. No, you actually see, oh, he's doing that. Yeah. Oh, he's doing that. So my kids can sit up there and be like, when I tell my kids, chase your dreams, chase this, do this, do that, do this. They can sit up there and be like, yeah, dad did that. Yeah. Dad lived, he I can sit up there and listen to what he's saying because I watched him walk that life. Too many people want to tell people what they need to be doing, but they live that life completely opposite of what they're telling somebody yeah. else to do. Yeah. So what drives me is just being the person that that I that I want that I'm trying to be. Like like just being that dude who if I say I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. So if I say I'm gonna I'm try, if I I don't have to succeed as long as I try to. Yeah. You know. So keep that with your integrity. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a lost thing. Yeah. So where where can people find you if they want to check out your comedy or want to read your racist comments? That's oh man, follow <laughs> me on uh, on Facebook. Go to Mike B Dapper Comedy. Mike B Dapper. You know D A Double P E R. Um, and on Instagram, Mike underscore B underscore dapper. Um, and you can catch me January 28th at the house of comedy. I'll be, uh, that's my league of extraordinary comedian okay. show. Um, but if you want to see the, uh, what, what you, you think? think that's, uh, February 11th at the house of comedy. Oh, okay. And then I'll also be hosting that, uh, the fifth through the ninth. So if you want to see an extended, like uh, more than 20 minutes of me on stage, the 5th through the 9th, I'll be hosting that whole weekend there. Okay, who's uh, headlining? Uh, I forget. <laughs> What's that out? Dion Love. Oh. I think it's Dion. I think it's uh, Dion Love. I, 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 I forget. <laughs> I know it might be Daffy going to be there. I know that <laughs> What that part out? Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I want to say thank you for uh, being my podcast episode. Um, I know we went a little long, but we'll probably put it in two parts. We'll see how long it is. But well, Thanks yeah. for having me, man. And I always respected and admired your uh, your comedy and your work. And uh, I always am like really grateful that you uh, give me opportunities to be on your shows because a lot of those opportunities aren't really presented to me. So every time you hit me up, I always tell my lady, I'm like, hey, my guy want to do a show. She's like, oh, that's what the guy's like, yeah, I, was like, I didn't even expect it. So I am really am more grateful than you know. So I really oh, appreciate you're it. Funny <laughs> yeah, you're a funny dude. Thank you. funny dude. I try to be. trying to be. So we'll see. But yeah, I really appreciate it. I really do hope that you, know, you continue to be successful in these endeavors because I do see you doing you know, the hour-long set easily like to me, you're probably one of the funniest people I've got the pleasure of knowing. There's Solid. a couple of people up there, too. But, yeah, you're definitely one of them. So, I really do, like I said, respect and admire your work. So, yeah. Hope Appreciate you, you, bro. Yeah. Keep Appreciate pushing having me, man. Yeah, of course. This has been Talk is Deep with Alan Butler. Like I said, you can find me on Instagram, Alan Butler Official, or uh, Facebook, Alan Butler Comedy. Um, this will be on Spotify, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, and anchor.fm so if you want to check it out on there please give me a good review if you like this episode if you laughed a little bit and please share that's the only way I can grow to be share this tell somebody else about it that way you can tell somebody else about it and that person can hate it so just keep <laughs> just keep sharing what you can it really helps me out and I will see you guys uh, next episode be blessed and be blessed